0: Father, we just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to thank you, Father, for your goodness and your kindness in our lives. And Lord, uh, even as we, Father, meditate upon your words this morning, Father, I pray, Lord, you would forgive all of us. Cleanse us. Cleanse me. Cleanse me, Lord. Forgive my sin. Forgive my iniquity. Forgive my transgression. Wash me and wash us all, O Lord, Father. Father, you know our hearts and you know that, and you know that, and we know that our hearts are deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Therefore, I pray, Lord, use you, you that you would probe us even more deeply uh, by your word this morning, and Lord, you would uh, enable your word to be implanted in the deep most parts of our inner man and set us free, so that, Lord, we can walk uh, in freedom, in love, and in obedience to your will in our lives, uh, Father. Cleanse us this morning by the washing of water by the word and set us apart a little more, Father, uh, for your holy purposes. And to that end, I pray that you would bless, uh, Father, the preaching and the hearing of today's word and you would anoint all of us, o Lord Jesus, to hear and to obey. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory for in Jesus' name. Amen. Already. So this morning, uh, we'll be going back to First Thessalonians chapter 5. And we'll read from verse four. Uh, we've been looking at uh, preparing ourselves for the Lord's coming. Um, a little more on uh, uh, the uh, the armor, uh, the 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 breastplate of righteousness, and of, of faith and love, and the helmet of salvation. We'll look at the helmet today, which is essentially a thought life. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. But let us watch and be sober for those who sleep. Sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So uh, we looked at um, um five aspects um that uh, about... When the Lord's coming is near, there will be an environment of false peace and security apart from God, right? And he reminds us as to how we prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord by unknowing our identity, that we are sons of light and sons of day. It also implies that we are not of darkness and of night. And therefore, we need to be sober and watchful and not asleep and guard our hearts and our minds, knowing that we are not objects of wrath, but salvation through Jesus. So these five aspects uh, we've been looking at, and uh, uh, last time we looked at to how to guard our hearts and minds using the breastplates of faith and love, and uh, the helmet of salvation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8 will say, But let us who are of the day be sober. Sober mean um, having our senses very Alert. Okay, it's like um, if you if you are a light sleeper, you know what happens, right? Even a small sound will disturb you. Okay, so he's tra- he's saying about um, uh, being that having that kind of a mindset. Okay, e- even a small inkling in your conscience, a small going astray should 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 bother you. Having that kind of an attitude, being very sensitive uh, to. In your conscience, especially to the word of God, that conscience has been trained by the word of God. Therefore, you're sensitive to the convictions of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, what does he do? He convicts the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, right? So we have to put on the breastplate of faith and love. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation, which is talking about our mind, mind has to be trained. Okay, this is the most important thing. One of the most, we have to love God with all of our heart. And all of our mind. Yes. We forget this. Okay, uh, Mind uh, also is one of the faculties of the soul. That is the reason why being double-minded uh, in the original languages, language means being double-souled. S-O-U-L-E-D. Meaning having two mindsets. But you need to have a singular mind. Very important. Okay. So the question therefore is, we look at we have to look at how do we develop this helmet of salvation or how do we control our thoughts so that we have hope of salvation hope of salvation is not just hope I hope that that is not uh you know in the, in the world hope means uh, I hope it it'll happen meaning it may happen or it may not happen that is what it means in the world but biblical hope is not that hope biblical hope is certainty faith is the substance of things hoped for and there is an evidence of things unseen. That means you have a very tangible evidence or rather the convictions of the unseen, that the unseen world is more real to you uh, than this world that you are living in. So that is what we are talking about. Biblical hope is not, I hope so. (laughs) That means there is always, when you say I hope, there is always uncertainty over there. We are are not talking about that. We are talking about certainty. Therefore, we look at this morning, uh, question ourselves, how is Our mindset. Okay. How is our mindset? So let us look at one verse. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. And uh, which I often look at. And know that I come short of it every day. (laughs) Okay. If not every moment. And uh, something which I am endeavoring. And challenging myself to uh, constantly have. 1 Peter chapter 4. uh, Verse 1 onwards. Therefore, since... Christ suffered for us in the flesh yeah. arm yourselves also with the same mind now look at this no the word arm means what obviously th- th- this it means uh a weapon exactly now um, a weapon what is a weapon the a weapon has two purposes one it you can use it for defense and the other one it, it you uh, you can use it for offense now we know. That a weapon of offense is also, I mean, the best form of uh, defense is offense, as they say. So if you are, if you have a mind which can give you an argument, if you will, which, which is so powerful in its argument, meaning, you know, you appear, Jesus says, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Okay. So for example, um, let us say you have money in the bank a okay, lot of money in the bank okay it's a truth you have the money in the bank so when you go to the atm and you put your atm card you're confident that money is going to come back come out of the uh, it will it'll dispense if for example the atm says it's not working hmm? uh, you, you know if i go to another atm no problem i'll still be able to withdraw cash all right because you already know that there is something in the bank, that is that's that's certain, right? Now let us say you you're not sure as to how much is there in the bank, no? Then even when you go to the grocery store, <laughs> you'll go to your uh, phone pay and check the balance, maybe I don't know, and uh, and you, you're not you're you're not very sure. You're not very sure. You'll be calculating the amount of money for each of the products and then then you'll say okay fine if this is this much maybe i have only this much and then therefore uh, when you are going to the counter you're not very sure uh, suddenly uh, the atm card will say insufficient in funds it will not say insufficient funds, by the way eh? only in the atm will have insufficient funds when you go to the atm machine it's a um, rejected okay, for whatever reason hmm? and then you say okay fine take off this product and take off this item and uh, only this much money i have because there's no certainty Okay, But if you are certain about something, there is always confidence and that confidence will propel you into action. That is the reason why Jesus said, you shall know the truth and what does the truth do? It will set you free because you can bank yourself upon this saying that, you know what? I have the backing of heaven and this is absolutely sure. And when I make a decision, it is going to come to pass. Okay. If you are a son of a millionaire, (laughs) you go to the bank, doesn't matter what the price tag is, you're just going to swipe it and you know it's going to come through. That is a kind of confidence. That is what truth does. So when you have a mindset like this, which is armed with truth, you know this is truth. And therefore, no matter what the circumstances are telling me, if I behave in this manner, I'm sure of victory. That is what we're talking about. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Now, for example, let us say you solve a problem, okay? And you solve a problem, you've you've precisely know the concept, you've applied every theorem, you've applied every idea, you know exactly everything is right, right, and you look at the final answer, and it says, answer is wrong. Then you say, okay, maybe I check this, I check this, I check this, I check this, I check this. Okay, maybe I used did some calculation error. Then you go and recheck the calculation errors and you find the calculation error is also right. There's no calculation error. Oh, then maybe you say, okay, maybe he gave me a is equal to 14 and I put a is equal to 13. Let me check the variables. You know, remember? You make all those things. Let me go and check the variables. Now you check the variables. The variables are also absolutely fine and you recheck the answer and you find the answer is the same. Then what do you conclude? The key is wrong. Am I right? Then you go and f- tell the fellow Baba, your key is wrong and make sure that you change the key the next time. <laughs> you understand? Okay. So, th- I- I've seen that many times, no? Where, like for example, Abigail comes and says, Papa, the uh, key, uh, the score key says this. Let's see what did you, what did you do? Check, 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 check. The key is wrong. Because, no, the point is she knows I'm, I'm, she, she's confident that my, my, my father is better than me in mathematics and therefore she says when the key is wrong, the key is wrong. <laughs> okay. So this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a mind which is so confident because it knows what it believes is absolutely true. And therefore it's got the backing of heaven when it is making a decision. You understand what I am talking about? So this is what we are talking about. Having a hope of salvation. Meaning, my hope is certain. When I behave in this particular manner, this is the results I am going to get. No matter what the circumstances circumstances tell me. Okay? Understand? Alright. So, we have to talk about how is our mindsets. Arming yourselves, with what mind? With the same mind. The ESV uses, a very interesting translation, it says, with the same way of thinking. With the same way of thinking. Meaning, how Jesus thought through a problem, if you are able to think through, you got it. Okay. That is what we are talking about over here. No. Attack the problem, not, (laughs) when you, what do do you mean by, a lot of people, when they look at the question paper, they get scared. Don't get scared. Attack it. No? So I remember, no, when we used to write our exams, those days, all the preparation is done. When you go to the question paper, everything is blank. Hey, Indira, nothing is coming. (laughs) So many times. What is this? I I don't know if I've really done this or not. The questions to me are so, so strange. And then slowly, you read it. One step at a time, your preparation is strong. If your preparation is good, know what I'm talking about, of course. And then you know that all the answers will come through. Okay? So this is what we're talking about. Even if you're confronted with something absolutely, apparently new, you know it. If you, there is a, there is a way to solve a problem and you will be able to do it. If you do it the way Jesus does. Arming yourselves with the same way of thinking. You know what God says? You no, know, we, t- we talk about Archimedes principle. You know, Applying Archimedes' principle is one thing. Getting Archimedes' mind is another thing. Right? Okay. Understanding theory of relativity is one thing. Getting Albert Einstein's thoughts is another thing. Okay. We, you say, I wish I was so talented like you. Right? I wish I had this kind of a mindset. I wish I had a mind like yours, sharp, brilliant, etc. You know what Bible says? All of us as believers, can have the same mind as Jesus had. In fact, it says you have the mind of Christ. Amazing, isn't it? So every problem, spiritual problem that you're facing in your life, if you are trained by the way Jesus thinks and you can, God is not a respecter of persons. God does not show partiality. It doesn't matter what your age is. If you are able to think the way Jesus thinks and God says, "I I will give you already have it. What you have to do is you have to exercise what you already have for example you know what he says take off the old leaven because so that you will be made into a new lump because you are already a new lump that means you are already having the seed of the seed of Christ inside of you so what should you do take off the leaven so that that new life can start working inside of you so how do we get this mind is is important for us to you know, understand so let us look at it so Matthew chapter 16 this is what it says from verse 21 onwards. <clears throat> now, this is when uh, uh, Jesus asked, whom do you think, uh, whom do you say that I am? And, uh, you know, Peter is like, you know, he likes to answer in first in the class. He raises his hand and he says, you are the son of God, the Messiah, etc. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, Simon Barjona. Si- flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And then from that time, it says in verse 21, Jesus began to show his disciples from that time, Until that time, he didn't didn't tell anything to to his disciples. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Okay, then next what happens? Then it says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me, or in other words, you are putting stumbling blocks before me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You see that? What is a satanic mind, therefore? Excuse me? Ah. If you are mindful of the things of men, then you have a satanic mind. You see that? <laughs> this is what he's saying. Okay, let us move on. Then Jesus said to his disciples, "If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me." Just let let, let let us look at these verses, and then um, and then we will uh, try to uh, understand what those verses mean. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires his life to save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake. We'll find it. Now, when he's saying, pick up your cross daily and follow me, is not a sentimental thing. No, uh, why do you love this boy? I feel I feel like I, I, he's the best one for me. Can you give me one argument as to why this fellow is good for your, for you, for your life? <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I'm very much in love with him. Love is blind. No, this is not that kind of love. This is not that kind of faith. Faith has solid arguments. Yeah. This is not a surf of feelings. The pastor says, no, this is not surfing. The person who is surfing also, creating surf, has a skateboard. What, is what do you call it, board? Surfing board. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Without a surfing board, he cannot create a surf. Hmm. Okay. People will look at the surf and they say, wow, but that is not the surf. What, what is causing him to create all that surf is the board on which he's is doing the surfing, right? So it's very important. It is not a sentimental thing. Oh, for I will follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. There are reasons as to why you want to follow Jesus. And I'll tell you something. Faith has arguments. You understand? Faith has arguments. I keep telling you this, okay? So he says, for whoever desires to save his life, in other words, other translations we'll use. His soul. The word for life is suke, which means psycho or su- suke. Auntie. It's not psycho. Psycho, no. He save his life means save his soul. Will find it. Will uh, will lose it. But whoever loses his soul, for my sake, will find it. And then he says, "For what profit it is a man? It is is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul?" Meaning, if you think that you can gain the whole world and using that gain you're able to buy your soul impossible you know james bond said that statement no the way, name of the movie the world is not enough 007 movie hmm? the world is not <laughs> enough the world whatever you gain in the whole world can and you take so for example you own the whole world and every bit of bank balance in uh, all the money of the world belongs to you let's say Hypothetical situation. And then on the day of judgment, what do you have to buy your soul? Full money. Sorry. You understand? <laughs> that is what he's trying to say. What can a man give in exchange for his soul? It is a rhetorical question. Meaning, your soul is so precious that it cannot be bought by anything which is on, a, on the earth. Alright? Then, for The son of man will come in the the glory of his father and his angels. And then he will reward each one according to his work. So why should you pick up his, uh, pick up your cross, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow him? It's because first thing, if you try to lose your life, I mean, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. Second, you cannot give anything in exchange for your soul. Third thing, Jesus is coming back and his reward is there with him. And those rewards are eternal. And he will give every man according to his works. Okay. so That is the reason why Jesus says, you cannot have the mindset of Satan, but you should have the mindset of God. Understand? So let us look at that verse, Matthew chapter 16. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful. That means your mind is full. Mindful and Manasanta? Anuvugadu. That is what, that is what, what is your mind full of? What is it? Why, why are you, why, what are you, what are, what are you full of? You're full of the things of man, but not the things of God. That is the reason why, you know, another, another translation, we'll use this word, fantastic translation. I like this word, uh, translation, in the ESV, it says, But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind. Set, you know what setting is, right? Once you make a setting, and it's made in concrete, and that's it. You cannot You cannot change it. Your mind is set on the things of God. Uh, on the things, uh, it's not setting the mind on things of God, but on the things of man. Therefore, the question today is, how is your mindset? Okay. How is your mindset? Look at some verses from Romans chapter 8. Look at what it says. How do you know that you have a mindset of God and not the mindset of Satan? Okay, okay. let us see. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay? Look at this. Next verse. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds. You see that? On the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So your walk is decided by how you think. As a man thinketh, so is he. How you walk, what does walk meaning, walk meanings, how meaning, how you take your day, make your daily decisions is your walk. For example, walking from sofa to the pulpit, walking from let's say from the dining table to the kitchen i mean i mean this is this is essentially what what my there's a there's a there's a way i do things okay the way i do things that is what walk means right so he says those who walk according to the flesh they have a mindset the mind is set on things of the flesh those who walk according to the spirit they have a mindset and what is that mindset it is on the things of the spirit now how do i know but mind set, mind is set on the spirit and not on the flesh. Look at what it says: the mind which is set on the flesh is death. It brings what? Death. Death to what? The spiritual things. Let me tell you something. If, for, for example, when uh, when they heard Peter on the first day of, remember the first day, the day of Pentecost when the church started, they heard Peter, they were cut to their heart, and they said, "Men and brethren, what should we do?" And Jesus, and He said, "Repent." First thing. Second thing is, sa- the second thing he said is that save yourselves from this untoward generation. With many other words, he exhorted them. So what did what are the what did the people do? Those people who gladly received the word, what did they do? They got baptized. Right? That means they said, Death to this world, alive to God. And what did they do? Continuously. They continuously gathered to the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers, and great fear came upon them. It says five five things happened. Five things, five. So if you are setting your minds on the things of the spirit, then there's a death to the things of the flesh. If you are setting the minds on the things of the flesh, then there are death, then it is death to the things of the spirit. In other words, how do I know that my mind is set on the things of the flesh? If I am losing interest in the apostles doctrine, that means if I don't have the interest to read the Bible. First thing. Second thing, if I don't have interest in meeting God's people. Third thing, I am not judging myself. I don't like to judge myself. I think I am very very good. Fourth thing, my prayer life is gone. Fifth thing, I don't have the fear of God at all. Then I know. You know, how, do you, how you can judge whether you really are born again or not. Do you enjoy reading this word? Enjoy. It's other reason why it says, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth he meditate. How does it start meditation? It doesn't start before. first. You have to delight, and then you have to meditate. First, in order to delight, what should you do? Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That once you reject this, that means it is it is the death to the flesh, and then. you're you're enjoying the things of God. It is impossible for you to enjoy the things of the flesh and enjoy God at the same time. You cannot. What is it? You cannot serve God and any other thing for that matter. It's impossible. If you enjoy one thing, you will lose interest in the other. If you enjoy this thing, you will lose lose interest in the other. That is the reason why even sports people, you know what? They are not allowed distractions. Uh, What's her name? Uh, P.V. Sindhu. When she got the bronze medal, the first, I think she got the bronze medal, right? First Olympics, she got the bronze. Silver, silver, sorry. Silver, I think. uh, Yeah, Rio Olympics, she got silver. You know her coach, he never allowed her even to touch ice cream. For almost like several months. Don't touch ice cream. No sweet. No cell phone. Now you will think, cell phone just, uh, how, why will you not play? He said, you know what, there is a direct relationship between loving your cell phone and performing in the Olympics. So he took away his, her mobile phone okay, and he took away sweet diet to the body and diet to the mind. Both were taken so that she will have complete focus and dedication towards her sport. And she got silver medal, not even gold medal. So you can imagine to get gold medal what you should do. So if you have interest in something, automatically the interest in other things will go. You cannot take anything for granted. For example, let's say you are a, you are a very talented fellow. Okay. I am greatly talented. I will, I don't have to work on my talent anymore. Like, you know, a lot of players are like that. There, there's one guy called you, Vinod Kambli those days. Absolutely one of the most indisciplined sportsmen I've ever seen in my entire life. Okay. More talented than Tendulkar, actually. Indisciplined fellow. He had a ankle injury. You know why he had an ankle injury? Because of his weight. You see, automatically your interest will go and so will your performance. Death, death to flesh means alive to the spirit. Death to the spirit means alive to the flesh. Meaning the moment you are alive to the flesh, automatically your interest, your interest will dwindle. (laughs) I am telling you, you will not be interested in the things of the spirit at all. Look at what it says. For for to set the mind on the flesh is death to the spiritual things, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And he says, verse 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God and will not subject itself to the law of God, and indeed it cannot. It is powerless, I told you no. The moment you are, mind is set on the flesh, you will not come under subjection to the Spirit. And what will happen, you are not only coming under the subjection to the Spirit, you become an enemy of God, now you are fighting the Spirit. That is the reason why Pastor was saying something very interesting, he said, the believers, the people in the world are not fighting the world. Who are fighting the Word? The believers in the church are fighting the Word." You cannot and there is a final statement those who are in the flesh, everybody says that cannot powerless the word for cannot is you cannot have you cannot receive the power from God to please God if without faith it is impossible to please please God without walking in the spirit it is impossible to please God without walking as a soldier it is impossible to please God so mindset is important how is your mindset do you have interest in the things of the uh, things of the word do you really really have this ambition that you i mean you should you should have a discipline of reading the word of god at your own um, in, in your own pace you should be able to read through the word periodically whatever the time period is one year one and a half year half year four times a year once in two years and then again you start but you should be able to do that yeah important okay understand and look at another another verse it talks about mindset again philippians chapter 3 brothers joining join me in uh, uh, join in imitating me look at look at his uh, look at his <laughs> confidence okay brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk According to the example that you have in us. Meaning? Imitate me. You don't have to just imitate me. Imitate those people who are walking like me. In other words, for every believer, who should be the example? According to this verse? Paul. Plan B? What do you say, Peter? Sorry. Like Paul. Exactly. (laughs) That means Paul or like Paul. So he says, for many, it says, not few, for many of whom I have often told you, that is the reason why it says, strive to enter through the narrow way, Luke 13, strive to enter through the narrow way, for many will seek to enter, but not will not be able to. Word for strive is, agonize. For many of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even with tears weeping, walk as the enemies of the cross. See again the mindset here. The mindset is going to come over here. Walk as the enemies of the cross of Christ. Look at what. Look at the next verse. Immediately begins to talk about the mind. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. Belly. Their glory in their shame. And the fourth one, minds set on earthly things. Again, you see that? Mind set on earthly things. Okay, yeah. So again, immediately he's talking about the mind. How is your mind? Mindset, mindset, mindset. Okay. Mindset is important. Never take those things for lightly. Lord, I want to train my mind. My mind. Okay? In accordance with your word. And how does it start? morning by morning. (laughs) Every day. We'll come to that later on. Okay. Verse 20. Why should we do that? Why should we do that? Jesus said, no, three things, three reasons he gave us. First reason he said, if you try to save your life, you lose it. If you save your, uh, lose your life, you will find it. Second, you cannot give anything exchange to my soul. Third thing, I am coming back and my reward is with me. Therefore, that is the reason why verse 20 will say, but our citizenship hmm, is in heaven and from It we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to to subject all things to Himself. Look at that. I'm not delving too much into that. But because our citizenship is from heaven, and He is going to transform this lowly body. Okay? Lowly body. The other day I was just pushing my nano from there to here. Fitness levels have reduced quite considerably. I said, yeah, lowly body, but it's not going to happen later on. We'll have a fit body later on, okay? But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we have to look at this verse. How do we get this mindset? Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone, what? It starts with a desire. (laughs) You should have a desire. Let me tell you something. Uh, the, the, the hallmark of genuine conversion, that is you, your desires change. Actually, the KJV will, will use the word will. Actually, you can see that. Uh, if anyone wills to come after me. You can see, check that, uh, Matthew 16, 24, for me, uh, Peter, if you don't mind. I know you are the, you are Victorian. 1624, 1624, sorry. Yes. Ah, if any man wills. You know what the word for will is? The will comes from the, 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 the root word for will comes from the root word choice. Choosing. And the word for choosing again is value. Okay. If any man values me. You understand what I'm saying? See. So ultimately, you know something. In in any relationship, you don't if you don't value that other person, that relationship is going to die. Okay, if I don't value my wife, and the, if we don't keep valuing that, that is what is important, right? You. What what, what did we say when we got married? I I in all I have you know, uh above all I have chosen you. I've rejected all these people and I've chosen you to myself. That means you are the choice for me. That means you are the best for me. I value you more than I value anybody else in this world. And if you don't give those assurances when you're quoting the person, boss, uh, forget it. Okay. That is very important. Hmm? I value you. If that, I don't care. The moment you take one person for granted, end of the relationship. Okay. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone Choo- chooses me. That means I am precious to you, and you desire to follow, follow me. He says, first thing, you should deny yourself, and finally, you should follow me. In order for you to deny yourself and successfully follow me, what should you do? Take up your cross. That is the idea. <laughs> okay, this is the high, this is the thought. He says, if you want to deny yourself and successfully follow me, what will enable me enable you to do that is Taking up your cross. So the cross does one thing. What it does is, it changes your desires. That's the idea. The cross is a cross. What does it do? It changes your desires. You begin to desire God even more. More and more and more and more. Now, how often should you do this? Ah, uh, That is the reason why Luke 9.23 adds this. It says, Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. And the word for daily meaning moment by moment. Because every moment we are confronted with this problem. Should we follow Jesus? If I have to follow Jesus, I have to deny myself. And in order to successfully deny myself, deny myself what should I do? I should follow. I should uh, pick up my cross daily so who's our example who did this the only person who did this was jesus that's it the only person who completely 100% successfully did it every day of his life by the way cross he did not carry in the last uh, what, 24 hours of his uh, of his of his journey on earth no 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 it was a mindset every day I'll, no, I, I think the greatest for me is this, no? Uh, when everybody is standing uh, when uh, in, in, in line to get baptized by John. And how did they get baptized when they came into the waters of Jordan? Confessing their sins. What did Jesus have to confess? Now look at this, no? He's standing in line. One friend, one person in the front, one person behind him, and all of those people, they're going into the waters, and they're all confessing their sins. And people are looking, at I don't know what sins he must have done, what are the sins he's going to confess? Can you imagine? He's the only guiltless person on planet earth. All the other sinners, literally, when he says he was numbered among the transgressors, it did not happen on the cross, it happened on the day he took baptism. Right from that time onwards. All sinners, including Jesus there. Oh my goodness, what is he doing there? The only guiltless man on earth. The person who never sinned. Tempted in all areas. I think that is, I think the most difficult um, uh, cross to bear is the reproach of others. What what will other people think? (laughs) It it was not important to him at all, you see. And then, then John says, after standing in line for quite some time, walking 70 miles, whatever it is. And then John John looks at him and he says, "Papa, you have to baptize me. Are you asking me to baptize you? It is befitting for us. Suffer it. To be so now, for it is befitting for us who is that us Father God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit to fulfill all righteousness. He's gonna be made like his brothers in all things. He's not gonna partake of his sin, but he's gonna partake of that nature which can be tempted in every area. So we have only one person to follow, and who's that person Jesus? That's the reason why first Peter chapter two will talk about it for what credit it is if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Now look at this no you sh- uh suffering discipline for example, discipline does not mean only when you make a mistake you're getting corrected. Discipline is a lifestyle. Even when you are not making a mistake, God will put through, put you through a process which will humble you and bring you under total subjection. For example, I'll give you an example. No, example is Abigail says, "Papa, I want to get hundred in math." You want to get hundred in math, and every time you you write the exam, yes. You know what you should go. To, what you should do? It is not just important for you to do what you have to do every day. You have to come under discipline with me. You have to sit with me. How many hours? As long as it takes. one, of some of the things what I do is I bring her in the morning. I make her sit through the day. I'm I'm in the office from ten. Let's say, ni- uh, yeah, 10, 10, thirty in the morning till nine nine thirty in the night. Eleven hours she's with me. She'll take one hour break in the middle. That's it. Now, that's a practice. And I did it like consistently for over a period of time. That is, that's what, it, what, that's what we are talking about. Discipline. Okay. But you, when you do, and she's doing it, yesterday I did it, no? Today also I should do, yes. <laughs> yesterday I ate, today also I should do. you did not ask those questions, right? Yesterday I prayed, Today I should pray? Yesterday, yesterday I read my book? Today I, you, you will never ask. Yesterday I slept, today I should sleep? Yesterday I watched TV, today I should watch TV? Yesterday I watched me today also I should watch movie? Nobody says all those things. You say, bring it on. Right. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable for God. For to this you are called. Why? Because... Christ also suffered for us, leaving as an example that we should follow his footsteps. That's a, the that's a point over here. How do we get that? By following his footsteps. And then it says, Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who by himself bore our sins on his body, on the tree that we should, that we having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. So first thing, in order for us to, to really pick up our cross daily and follow him, one of the things that we need to understand, what did the cross of Jesus do for us? First thing. First thing we should understand, what did the cross of Jesus do for us? Because you have to delight in this path. His delight is in the law of the Lord and in his Lord, that he meditate day and night. Whoever desires to come after me, first you should begin to desire when will you desire only when you have completely i mean at least you have an understanding as to what the cross of jesus christ has done for me let us see okay let us see from colossians chapter 2 what did the cross of jesus achieve for me first thing we need to understand okay i'm just looking at there there are several portions we can go to but this is something which summarizes it so beautifully first thing colossians chapter 2 chapter 2 verse 13 and you being dead in your trespasses And the uncircumcision of your flesh. Okay. So we were all dead in our sins. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 also it says. We were all dead in our trespasses. And in our sins. And he made us alive together. And made us sit uh, together in, in, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay fine. How did he do that? He made us alive together with him. How? First. Having forgiven all our trespasses. Second. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us. Which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. Third. Having disarmed principalities and powers, so three things he, is, he has done at least. According in, in in many other things he has done. From these verses, you at at least you get three things from which we can actually uh, bring bring out all the other things. Colossians chapter two will with these three verses talk about this. First, he forgave just not one one trespass. He has forgiven all my trespasses. And what are all these trespasses? Okay, let me tell you. He has forgiven all the trespasses that you have confessed. What did I say? Ah, Very, very, very important. Okay. If you walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse us from all sin. If we, if we say that we do not sin, we lie, and our truth is not in the history, the truth is not in us. But if we confess, he is faithful and just, just not faithful, he is also just, Okay, to forgive us, Our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. So this is important. First, he he forgives all the sins that you have confessed. Lord, forgive my known sins and unknown sins. Uh, No, no, there is no blanket conversion uh, confession. You have to confess specifically. Okay, one 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 uh, the known sins, the the things that you are conscious of. That is the reason why when you go into the waters of baptism, the first question the pastor asks you is, "Brother, sister, did you confess all?" Your known sins, unknown sins, we don't know. Only when God brings it to light, then you know. Uh, then you uh, confess it. And for second, first, He has forgiven. How did He? Uh, what did He do on the cross? He forgave all our sins. Second thing, He paid all my debt. Bah, Saludi, that is incredible. Now, just imagine, now you're you're in debt, <laughs> and somebody comes and pays. All year, that's what it means. Handwriting of ordinances. And disarmed all principalities. We'll come to that later on. You know what the word, the handwriting of ordinances, you know what it means? Let me read it. Handwriting of ordinances means a note of hand or writing in which one acknowledges that money has either been deposited with him or lent to him by another. And it had to be returned at the appointed time. Okay, God gave you some money or he deposited it in your account or he lent it into your account. And what you what you should do, you should return it back to him at the appointed time. That means there's a debt and you have to return it back to him. And no, that, that debt was completely paid. That's what it means. Handwriting of ordinances means there was a debt which was incurred. And what was a debt, Baba, your very soul. He paid a debt. We sing that song. He paid a debt that he that he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. (laughs) Impossible for me to pay the debt. Okay. You see, just imagine if you're in a million dollar debt, somebody comes and gives you a check and says, That's exactly what happened. So, what did it what happened? He forgave all my trespasses. He paid all my debt and the third thing he disarmed all the principalities meaning when satan comes and says brings an accusation and he says you did this you take that certificate and said baba paid in full paid in full paid in full literally you take that no that's exactly what happened to happens to christian that means you can you can be absolutely fearless now remember christian when he, when he's, he goes to this enchanted ground, I don't know what, what ground it was, I, I, I forget that place. Uh, yeah, he loses his certificate. And then he's walking towards the celestial city and he finds two people running back and says, screaming and shouting and saying there, are lions there, there, are lions there, there, are lions there. And immediately, he, he also gets f- fear, he, he also becomes fearful and he says, what happened to me? And he realizes that he lost his certificate of of uh, of of salvation and where did he lose the certificate of salvation where he fell asleep where he lost his sobriety and he fell into sin so what does he go he goes back to that place and he retrieves back his certificate of salvation so what do you do whenever you sin you go back to that place you repent your sin you confess your sin you forsake your sin and you get back you get back the assurance of salvation and when you walk you know what will happen there is a lion which is roaring and suddenly a guy who crossed onto the other side says they're only roaring they are chained they will do nothing to you they're only roaring but they are chained They can do nothing to you. What does, what does this enemy, all the enemy can do is roar at you. But you know what you have? You have something which is much more powerful than you, uh, than any of the roars of the enemy, any of the accusations of the enemy. What it is? An assurance of salvation. Therefore it says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. What does the blood of the lamb do? What is the blood significance? What does the blood signify? It signifies the life of Jesus. So when Jesus came, he told his disciples, touch me. Does a body have what? Flesh and bones. What no, there's no blood is not there, Baba. You're not reading your Bible carefully. See? <laughs> there's no blood. What happened to all the blood? Every drop of it was shed for you. That means he paid the complete debt for every human soul. It says that is the reason why Jesus became a propitiation for my sin. And not only for our sins, he says, the sins of the whole world was paid by every drop of blood of Jesus on the cross. That is the reason why we've been delivered by the blood of the cross. It says in Galatians or Ephesians, if I'm right. I think it's Galatians. By the blood of the cross. By the blood of the cross. So what do we have? The blood of Jesus stands against the accusations of the devil. He disarmed. What did he do? They can only roar, but you realize that they are only chained. They can only roar at you. cannot touch you. Only if you allow them to touch you. So they, he hears the voice from the other side. Don't be scared of them. They are chained. The others, fellows, they couldn't hear that voice. Why? Because they lost their assurance of salvation. Why do you hear that those voices only when you have an assurance of salvation? How do you have the assurance of salvation? Wherever you fell, go back there, set it right, clear your accounts and walk with God. So, because he forgave all my trespasses and he paid all my debts. In other, in other words, when moment your uh, uh, credit increases, I mean, or the debit increases, whatever. However, you want to look at it, okay? Credit or debit, just the same. Okay, it's different, different perspectives. Am I right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's different perspectives. Okay. So God says, "Don't worry, go there. I am faithful, and I'm just doesn't matter what your sin is. The blood of Jesus Christ can pay for any sin. He paid a debt, paid all my debt, and then he disarmed." principalities, how, how did he do it? He made a public spectacle of them. What is, it, or what is it, so Sorry, triumphing over them. Oh, where, where did he triumph? On the cross. Triumphing over them. In other words, what was happening on earth is one thing. What was happening in the heavenly realms is completely different. Okay. Literally, in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realm, he disarmed, meaning he Completely showed Satan as to what he was. Nobody can touch you. Nothing of the accusations of the enemy can touch you. The first thing therefore, he forgave all my sins. Therefore, I don't have to walk in condemnation. What did I say? Have to. I don't have to. But do many, all, all, all believers, do you, do you think they don't walk in condemnation? They have, so many people walk in condemnation. Simply because some, one of the reasons why is they don't confess their sins regularly. They think that it is even today morning you should do it you should be conscious how many of us <laughs> did not sin yesterday this morning mm-hmm. so first thing i don't have to sin i don't ha- i'm sorry i don't have to walk in condemnation first thing what did the cause do do for us it It removed the condemnation and the guilt of our sin. These are so important. What the blood of bulls and goats could not do, it says in in Romans, uh, sorry, in the book of Hebrews, what the blood of goats and uh, bulls could not do, the blood of Jesus Christ, what did it do? It purged our conscience from dead works. Purged! The blood of bulls and goats only could cover sin. The blood of Jesus removed sin. (laughs) The blood of the goats and bulls said, okay, fine, I can cover your sin, but I'm not removed it. I cannot say I look at you just as if you have never sinned. No. But what does the blood of Jesus do? When I look at you, I can look at you saying just as if you never sinned. That's what I can look at you as. Okay, so first you need to understand what the cross does for us so that we can desire him. First, we should desire Him, right? <laughs> we should desire Him, and what does the cross of Jesus Christ do? It, it helps us to desire. When we look at the cross, at the cross, at the cross, when I first saw the light, okay? years I spent in mani- vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not that it was me He died for me, He died on Calvary. Grace was there. Mm-hmm. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied for me. And there my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Okay. Romans chapter 6 again. For, this is talking about baptism. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, that is in baptism, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our Old man. What what else happened on the cross? Our old man also was crucified on the cross. What is the old man? That old Adam. What does Adam do? He likes three. He has uh, three daughters, no? What are the three daughters? Lust of the flesh, (laughs) lust of the eyes and pride of life. These are the three daughters of Adam. That's exactly what happens to faithful. Old Adam meets him and he says, God, I have three daughters. (laughs) Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the moment he looks at them, he gets attracted to them. And suddenly Moses comes running after them, uh, running after him with the law. <laughs> okay, remember that's a it's a beautiful illustration, pilgrims. Progress, huh? You see, that's what happens if you, are old man, is not if you do not know that. I mean, if you don't reckon that you're old man, if you do not rather, it's already done. But if you don't appropriate it daily, what will happen? In Romans chapter seven. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law. You see, when you are in the flesh, what is there in your life, what is ruling you or what is tormenting you and bringing condemnation into your life is the law. What does the law do? It condemns you. That's all. It cannot free you. So therefore, Moses is coming after faithful and tormenting him. And suddenly he crosses out and says, Lord, forgive me. Immediately the condemnation is gone. You see, this is, this is important for us to understand. Therefore, Romans chapter 8 will say, there is now, therefore no condemnation who, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh, but according to the spirit. So first thing, what 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 does the cross do? It has forgiven all my sin. It has paid all my debt. It has disarmed principalities and powers of darkness, triumphing over them. The cross of Jesus Christ has done that. Therefore, also my old nature was crucified on the cross. And because my old nature was crucified on the cross, the law has no power over me. And therefore, there is no condemnation for me, even as I walk in Christ Jesus. This is the idea. You get the, you get the logic. So this is teaching. Hmm? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, what has, what has it done? It has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do? Why, what, what, what did the, what, why was the not not able to do? Because it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin. Whose sin? Our sin. In whose flesh? In his flesh. Why? So that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And what is the righteous requirement of the law? The law of love. Exactly. <laughs> Romans chapter 13 will say, it says, law of, life. if you love the Lord, you have fulfilled the law. Okay. All right. And not only that, what does the cross do? The power of the world is broken or the cross. Galatians chapter 6 will say, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So first thing, in order to get this mindset of the cross, what you should, I mean, mindset of following Jesus and designing Jesus, what you should have, you should have a thorough understanding as to what the cross has done for me. What did the cross of Jesus Christ do? First thing, it has forgiven me. All my trespasses. Okay. Second thing, it has paid all my debt. And therefore, third thing, it has disarmed all the principalities, especially the sound and the voice of accusation has been disarmed in my life. And therefore, I do not have to walk in condemnation. Whether I walk in condemnation or not, it's completely dependent upon me, by the way. That is subjective to my appropriation of what God God has done uh, on the cross for me. If I completely understand, that is the reason why Micah says, no, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. Do not rejoice. I have sinned against the Lord. But you know what he's going to do? He is going to fight my cause. He's going to plead on my behalf. And you know what is going to happen to me? The same enemy which rejoiced over me will be made silent. You know why? Because he has vindicated me. 54.17 of Isaiah. 54.17? Somebody read it quickly? You should know by by now what what that verse is. Yeah, yeah no weapon formed against me no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every lying tongue that is a that is condemnation lying tongue or true tongue every tongue okay sometimes uh, you did this but it is under the blood it's over raise it against me in condemnation you will condemn you know why This is our heritage as the servants of the Lord and my vindication or righteousness comes from him. And therefore, I don't have to walk in condemnation. Second, my old nature which caused me to sin, my old nature which which caused me to sin, was also nailed on the cross 2000 years back so that the power of the law may be broken in us so that I don't have to walk in condemnation, right? And Galatians chapter 6 will say, the world with all its passions is pa- passing away, it cannot have any power over me, because that also has been broken on the cross. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Over. It's done. And it has happened on the cross. And Then, Galatians chapter 2. Another thing the, the uh, that... Uh, will make you enjoy, uh, 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 appreciate the, the work of jesus christ on the cross on the cross galatians chapter 2 verse 19 onwards for i through the law died to the law that i might live to god i have been crucified now he is appropriating it to himself with christ it is no longer i who live this is exactly what we do what we should do, what we should say for vijay through the law died to the law that that vijay might Live to God. You have to appropriate yourself. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Now, this is every day, no? It is an increasing measure. We don't come to it in complete measure in one day, but it is a practice, okay? But Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. This is, how do I live now? I live by faith. But how do I get the faith? Faith cometh, cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let's see. Let's go back now. Matthew chapter 16. He's giving us reasons as to why we should uh, pick up our cross daily. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. If you try to ga- gain your soul, you will lose it. And then he also says there is a reward that God is giving. Therefore, Therefore, all of us must begin develop for themselves or build for himself or make for himself what we call as a helmet of salvation. The helmet, the hope of salvation. So how do we get this hope? This is a question. How do we get this faith? How do we get this hope? Faith is the evidence of things hope uh, hope for sorry is a sub, uh, is, is a substance of the things hoped for and the evidence of the things which are not seen. How do we get this? How do we get this hope? very simple statement in the Bible again, Romans chapter fifteen verse number four, this is what it says for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures. What will we have? We have hope. So how do you get hope? By what scriptures? What is he talking about? What is Paul referring to? Oh, he talking, talking about Old Testament. So what does Old Testament give us? Actually, hope has several elements over there. Through endurance and through encouragement, you will have hope. And who provides that endurance and that encouragement? these are all spiritual things. There are spiritual transactions that happens when you start appropriating the scriptures in your life. Okay. okay. Why? Romans chapter 8, will talk about what hope should essentially do. Romans chapter 8, verse 22 onwards. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, okay, and by the way, this hope is true. This is not just a hope, as I said, no, I may or may not. No, 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 this is absolutely based upon truth. For in this hope we are saved. Now the hope that is seen is not hope for we for who hopes for what he sees but if we hope for what we do not see we wait for it with patience so endurance and the encouragement the scriptures provide we have hope and you'll see patience also coming patience is a part of hope endurance is a part of hope and therefore perseverance is also therefore i think by extension and by induction is a part of hope and how do we get this hope? By studying the scriptures. Where do we study the scriptures? Particularly, we go back to the Old Covenant and I'll give you examples today as to how we appropriate the scriptures and arguments which will enable us to overcome the self every day. Why is scriptures important? Why is the living word important? Hebrews chapter 4 will talk about it. For the word of God is living and powerful. Okay. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division first of the soul and the spirit. Now why is soul important? I told you, you no? Know, body is world conscious. Spirit is God conscious. Soul is self conscious. Yeah. The point is this. Spirit is God conscious. Body is world conscious. Soul is self conscious. And therefore where should you win? At the soul. You should deny your self. So what does the word of God do? It shows you what is of the self and what is of the spirit so that your body can make the appropriate decisions according to the spirit in the world. It, you have to ultimately live in the world you have to live out your life in this world therefore if you want to live out your life in this world according to the spirit you have to tackle the soul and what does the soul primarily consists of it, it consists of your mind which is your intellect your will and your emotions and therefore this if it is handled if your thinking is handled then ultimately if your soul becomes God conscious in that you are saying oh my soul follow God and you're saying, telling your body as to where to go, you're done. That is the reason why scriptures are so important. So let us look at some examples in the rest of the time that we have from the Old Testament, okay? How do we appropriate, deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow Him? And every example we look at, we look at as a believer, as either Christ or a person who is In Christ, okay? Every overcomer as or uh, a person who fails, if he's outside Christ, he fails. If he's in Christ, he overcomes. If he's in Christ, this is what he will use in a way to argue himself out of sin. Argue himself out of sin. Okay, why are you doing this? You know, you should have strong arguments. Why are you doing this? It's not good for you and you're able to not. See, if you have sufficient arguments which will give you things not to do, then you're good for life okay genesis chapter 39 look at look at some of you You looked at this in several contexts but once again any uh, by the way uh on sunday i was talking i i put the slide as genesis 38 it is not 38 it is 39 okay please uh for all of those people who are listening to the sermon uh it is not 39 sorry 38 it is 39 and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on joseph and she said lie with me now look at this guy, how he is going to argue himself out of, out of the temptation that he's facing, okay? This has got what we, what we call as denying yourself, picking up your, up your cross and following, following him. Just, everything is happening over here. He refused and said, that means he has arguments to his master's wife. First, look. What has happened to you? You're not able to see. (laughs) You've been blinded. What has blinded you? Lust. One of the things we need to understand. What blinds us, you know what? Lust blinds us. That is the reason why it says in 2 Peter, eyes full of adultery. Lust has blinded you. It's just completely blind. That's exactly what has happened to... uh, to to, uh, Samson, he saw, he saw, he saw. Ultimately, he sold his life. He was literally destroyed in the laps of Delilah, and that did not happen on the lap of Delilah. It happened from the very first day. What blinded him was his eye. what uh, he, was lust. Lust has blinded you. Okay. Then he says, "My master does not know what is with me." But let me tell you something. You know what she's saying? Nobody needs to know this. And how is he arguing? He says, "My master does not know, but you do not belong to me. <laughs> and I'm not supposed to touch something which is does not belong to me anyway. The second thing he's saying: Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burnt? This is going to affect me. This is going to affect me, especially in the area of sexualism. You see, visible uh, lot of people don't realize this. No, if if you, um, one man of God made a powerful statement. He said, "When a boy and a girl come together, it's only trouble." Against all sound judgment, they have come together. It's only trouble. The church can't stop them. The elders can't stop them. Parents can't stop them. The boy and the girl have come together. It is trouble. Make stupid, foolish decisions. I am telling you honestly, I have seen empirical data in my own life. Examples after examples of people just destroying their lives because of stupid, wrong relationships. Very important. How do you argue? If I touch this, it is impossible that I will not be burnt. And it's going to put a mark in my body, which is not going to be on my soul, which is not going to be removed. I may be healed, but the scar is going to remain. So let me tell you something, you no. Know, if somebody has wounded you, for example, called you all kinds of names and, you know, has looked down upon you and, uh, and mentally tortured you, you know something, you can overcome that. But if you fall in the sexual area, you know what happens? Your tone in your soul. That is the reason why it says, he, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 16, 6, you know what he says? Don't you know, he who goes into a harlot becomes one flesh with her? That means there's a demonic transaction that takes place. A part of your soul gets entangled to the other person and your tone, there's a tearing of the soul that happens. And who's joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. He's using that analogy over there. It's stone. And And he says, I've got a responsibility over here and you know what? I've been entrusted with something I cannot break the trust that my master has placed into my hands. I cannot break it. I should be found faithful. You know what? One of the things that you you should have strong convictions. Whatever has been entrusted into my hands, I should be found faithful in how I handle it. And what is she saying? I am also the master. No, 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 no. In this, you are not with your master. You're not. You're not having the master's interests in these things. No. There is no one greater in this house than I. Not as he kept back anything from me, but you. Because you are his wife. How can, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? She's saying, you know, nobody will know it. Nobody will see it. You know what he's saying? God knows it. God sees it. God knows it. God sees it. God knows it. God, knows it. God will see it. You know, if you have that sense every day of your life, the eyes of the Lord to and fro, and what are they doing? Beholding. Ah, that is ah ah ah, ah. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, ah, keeping watch over the good and the evil. Proverbs twenty, if I'm right eighteen, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. In other words, I may not have any human supervision, but there is one supervisor who is always watching. Oh! If we have that kind of a fear. You know something? The fear of the Lord causes us to flee sin. And why do people sin? Fundamental reason, not because they are weak. They don't have the fear of the Lord. Then he says, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. What is he doing? See, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. See, if you become a part of me, you can grow easily in this, in this Chain. No, I mean what is what do you call corporate ladder? I can I can ensure that you'll have faith, find favor in the I don't want favor if it doesn't come from God. I don't want anybody's favor. Jesus was subject to his parents, increased in wisdom and in stature, and then what does the scripture say? Favor with God. And with man. You know what Proverbs chapter 4 will say? Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and marrow to health to your navel. Okay. Okay. Help your navel and marrow to your bones. Okay. Health to your navel. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and marrow to your bones. Health to your navel. What is navel? A symbol of a place of all kinds of spiritual problems. Let us look at another guy. Joshua chapter 7, but the children of Israel committed a trespass against the accursed things for Achan, the son of Karmai, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burnt against the children of Israel. So what should keep you away from sin? If you sin, you are not the only person who bears the brunt of the sin. There are so many people who will get affected because of you. Nobody sins in isolation. Who gets affected? If I sin, (laughs) ultimately you will get affected, for sure. You will. The whole body gets affected. Nobody sins in isolation. That means, in not sinning, we are actually not only having showing responsibility to ourselves, we are also showing responsibility to the other believer. Because God doesn't look at us differently. He looks at Achan and he says, Israel sent. The anger of the Lord burnt against the children of Israel. Can you imagine that? Of course, God was teaching uh, Joshua a lesson in that uh, they did not inquire of the Lord. And then you know what, Look look at the way he... He says, Now Joshua, the son of Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done, do not hide it from me. This guy does not come forward at all. You see that? Lots after lots keep falling and slowly they isolate the sin. He doesn't come forward at all. Look at what it what, how, how he answers. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed have sinned against the Lord. How did I sin? And this is what I have done. When I... Saw. So, what has blinded you? Covetousness blinded you. Can you see that? Look, <laughs> see. Among the spoils, a beautiful Babylonian garment. And a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted took them. That's it. Look at another man. How he argues himself out of sin. See that again. You see different examples. 1 Samuel chapter 24. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road and there was a cave. And Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, (laughs) you see how they they come and tell you, The Lord said to you, David, that this is the day you have to take vengeance on your enemies. They don't come as the voice of Satan, Baba. They come as the voice of the Lord. That is the reason why it is written that he is going to give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And what does Jesus say? It is also written. You see that? That means you need to have the whole counsel of God. Just don't don't read the book of uh, uh, Psalms and say, I've read the Bible. No, that is not the Bible. Only the whole Bible. Behold, I will deliver you, into the into your enemy, into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. Who told you this? Where is it written? And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He didn't take his life, but then his heart smote him. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid, you see, that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So what should I not do? he is my master, whether I like it or not. Second, he is the Lord's anointed. Then, I should never stretch out my hand against him. Three arguments. He is the Lord's anointed. Because when I touch him, I am touching who? God. Touch not my anointed. Well, he is a compromised anointed. Doesn't matter. He's anointed regardless. Now, this is one test. The other test is when uh, Nabal does not give him what he asks for. Now, you should see the way David is like, he's so angry. But you see the arguments against him. You see, again, it's all arguments. Faith has got arguments. And I just wanted to title today's sermon as the arguments of faith. But look at the arguments of faith. One, 1 Samuel chapter 25. Now David said, Surely in vain I have protected all that this fellow. Okay, that word fellow is not there. It was added by this. And he didn't even, can't even use a word. This fellow has in the wilderness. So that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him. And he has repaired me evil for good. May God do so. You see again, he brings God in there. And more also to the enemies of David. If I leave one male, of all who belong to him by morning light, no, by, that is all euphemism. Okay, if you read the KJV, it is even more. Yeah, 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 no, no, girls are there, so we don't want to use those words. Okay, okay, so very, very interesting words there. Hmm? I'll, I will not even leave one single male who belong to him by morning light. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Okay, the way the way it's the KJV is very interesting. Okay, and then he is about to. Um, Take revenge on his enemies and now look at the counter arguments of the wise woman. But how she comes and, uh, comes to, uh, to, to appease him. Look at it. Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David and bowed down to the ground. You see, this is a principle over here. Scripture says, if you see an elder overtaken in an error, in an error, error how should you approach him? In a spirit of meekness. In a spirit of meekness. It's amazing, no? So that you want to, you love that person so much, you honor that person so much, you respect that person so much, and you want the best interest of that person so much in your heart. You reverence him or her in your heart. So what do you do? I think this is wrong. And you have a, a, a attitude of meekness. You know what happens? Immediately if that man or a woman is a spiritual man, he will recognize that and he will take it from you. You'll take it. Okay. That's what, exactly, exactly. If he's a man of God, David took it. Did he not? Sure, sure, he did. And she fell on, she fell at his feet and said, on me, my Lord, on me, let this iniquity be and please let your maidservant speak on your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Look at, look at the attitude which, which she comes. First of all, she said, she's not trying to wishwash. This is iniquity. He should not have done it. Iniquity means what? Inequity. This is not fair. What he has repaired? He has repaired evil for the good that you have done to him. This is absolutely not fair. But, 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 look at this next verse. Please let not my Lord regard the scoundrel Nabal. <laughs> that means this guy is a scoundrel. For as his name, so is he. I, th- I think it's his nickname Nabal maybe, I don't know. I don't think his father called him Nabal. It's difficult, no? What is your name? Scoundrel. Does any father name? Elimelech naming Melion and Kilion. What is Melion and Kilion means? Wasting and Pining. Hey Pining, come home. No, no, they don't name. This is all God who has given these names, okay? his name, so is he. Nabal is his name and Folly is his game. Sorry, sorry, is with him. But I, your maid servant, did not see the young man of my Lord whom you sent. And look at how she argues David out of the sin he was about to com- uh, commit and keeps him from falling. No? How does a God keep you from falling? We are kept by the power of God. How does he argue us out of f- falling? by warning us with his word. Okay. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming, coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek him, seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. And now this present, which your maid servant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. And then, please forgive the trespass of your maid servant. So what the Lord will certainly Make for my Lord an enduring house. This is a promise God has given you. An enduring house, because you fight the battles of the Lord and evil is not found in you throughout all your days, yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life. How you showed kindness to him. You did not take matters into your own hands. Do the same thing over here. Otherwise, what will happen? You will have guilt of blood on your hands and that should not be for a king. Right? He argues him out. If and so, of, it's a lot of, it's an attitude with which she, uh, which she argues David out of the folly he was about to commit. But the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord, Lord your God and the lives of your enemies she shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. What is she referring to? David and Goliath. The Lord did that for you. Is he not going to do it for you again? Why do you have to take matters into your own hands? And then, and it shall come to pass when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood, shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Finished. That is the reason why a soft answer turns away wrath. Beautiful, isn't it? This is what we call as a meek, gentle and a quiet spirit. This is what we call as a spirit of Esther. First, what does Esther do? If I have found favor in your eyes, please come home for dinner. Gives a fantastic dinner. Both Naban, I'm sorry, for her husband and for Haman. What do you want Esther? Please tomorrow also come. <laughs> please come home. Let me just give you a fantastic feast. And once she says, then The way she puts her words across. Please give me my life. I'm being threatened. He's shocked. I mean, he's completely taken aback as to what is going on here. And then, and then she reveals the whole truth, you see. This is what we call as arguments of faith, you see. And you know what David says? David said to Abigail, blessed is the Lord God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Amazing, no? That's the reason why you should be, you should have the courage of conviction and the humility to to take correction from anybody. You are a woman. Keep your mouth shut. Shut. Don't say that. She's literally a prophetess over there, keeping him from evil. Because you have kept me. See, the Lord kept me and you also have kept me. This day from committing, coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely... By morning light, no males would have been left with Nabal. Okay, so he gets argued out of it. Okay, understand this. Again, 1 Samuel chapter 26. Look at how how David um, comes out of every situation triumphant. So David and Abishai came to the people by night. And there Saul lay sleeping within the camp. And with his spear stuck to the ground by his head. And Abner and people lay around him. Then Abishai said to David, What did he say? God has delivered. You see again, God He brings God over there. Your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let him, let me strike him at once with a spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. Abishai is a, like this, a hot-blooded fellow. I think Joab's relatives are all like that. Okay, uh, all of Joab's relatives are hot-blooded fellows. At least Abishai had some kind of a conviction and courage, and he had some character. But Joab is—we don't know what what his character today. Till today he's an enigma. He's a a, a mystery, in an enigma, in a riddle. You have to unpack everything to understand Joab. Okay? We never know what Joab thinks and how he behaves. But David said to Absher, do not destroy him, for who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please take not the spear and jug of water that are by his head, and let us go everywhere. You see that now. What is he doing? Denying himself, pick up, picking up his cross, and following him. In one situation, he takes correction. That is also picking up your cross by denying yourself. How do you take correction? By receiving the word of correction from the others. Even though it is from a woman, what is he doing? He's is humbling himself, changing the course of action, and saying, you know what, I can't do this, and following the Lord. So this is, this is what we do what? Deny myself? Help me? Follow you? But in between I should do one thing. Pick up my cross daily. And why do I do it? Because I desire you. And why do I desire you? Because what you have done for me. What you have done for me. And what did he do for me? He forgave me all my sins. Second, he paid all my debt. Third, he disarmed every voice of condemnation and guilt against me. Principalities and powers of darkness have been disarmed by, and he did that on the cross. So let's pray this morning and let's ask God to help us every day to pick up our cross daily and follow him. Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this morning. Lord, so many things you have taught us, oh Lord. In every situation, oh Lord Jesus, you've shown us What it is to deny ourselves. What it is to humble ourselves. Many of us youngsters, O Lord Father, we have to humble ourselves by coming under the subjection of eldership. That is how we deny ourselves. We deny ourselves by obeying our parents, obeying our elders. Even though we don't like it so many times. And some things that we are told we don't like to do. But we do it regardless. Because it is the right thing to do. And we don't have to have the reasons. The reason is enough. It is the word of God. Because you said it so. Pray Lord Jesus that all of us will be on this straight and narrow path. We will continue to walk this path, O Lord Jesus every day of our lives. That our our minds will be trained. A mindset, which is willing, O Lord Jesus, to choose affliction, to choose suffering. Which has got the conviction to choose that which is right. Even in the absence of Of examples, of good examples, O Lord, around us. Bless us, O Lord Jesus. All of us to that, and we pray. This morning, especially I pray, Father, for young people that we will train ourselves every day of our lives. Train ourselves. So many times we are asked to do certain things, we may not it may not make sense to us. But Lord, you told your disciples when you were washing their feet. What I do, you do not know now. But you will know it hereafter. Father, there is a promise that we will know one day why you have allowed certain things in our lives. You said, a oh Lord, Father, there is a purpose for what you are allowing in our lives. And there is a latter end, oh Lord Jesus. Latter end. The very character of Christ will become a will become a part of us. Our mindset, the way we think, the way we make decisions, the way we with the way we make our choices. Father will be in accordance to your words, to your word in our lives, oh Lord. We thank you, Father, once again for this morning. Pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be with us the rest of the day. Enable us to walk that straight and narrow path. Keep us and guard us, O Lord Jesus, in all our ways. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen, Amen.